0: Hi, I'm Alice Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and host of Give Me Strength, where we discuss the positives of living a stronger life physically and mentally with the hope to inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. My guest today is an old friend and ex-colleague of mine, Luke Worthington. He is one of the most sought-after personal trainers in the world. He is a qualified sports scientist, a trainer, nutritionist, and strength and conditioning specialist with over 20 years of experience in the health and fitness industry. He currently works with some of the biggest A-list celebrities in the world, and I am so grateful to have him here today to share, hopefully, some of his secrets. He is such a fountain of knowledge. I have been on many of his courses, and I've learned a lot from him over the years, so I'm really grateful that he's given up an hour of his time to come and chat all things training and fitness. So we can just jump straight in. Luke, it's so good to have you with me. We were just discussing how I haven't seen you since pre-COVID, and I know that you've been crazy busy. So it'd be great to hear how you're doing and what you've been up to recently.
1: Uh, well, thanks for having me on. And yeah, it has been a while. I guess I've really focused in on on the PT side of what I do is focused really quite heavily in on, on the entertainment industry, which I know is something you wanted to... To touch on today. Um, So I've kind of carved out a bit of a niche there in applying, uh, like, I guess, sports type training. So, like, strength and conditioning, principled training to the entertainment industry. That industry was quite typically served by more of a sort of body transformation type um, approach, which, you know, you you and I have known each other long enough to know that that neither of us necessarily subscribe to that as (laughs) being. Yeah, sure. You know, sure. some something to aspire towards. But what I was quite interested in, in doing was say, well, actually, can you give people, you know, an aesthetic result? And there's nothing wrong with having an aesthetic goal, but mm-hmm. also do it in in a way that is going to make them better at stuff. So, and that seemed to apply quite well to the entertainment sector because, yeah. you know, people were, were needing, they were needing to be able and wanting to be able to do stuff. You know, they're wanting, you know, if they're preparing for, roll role on stage or a role on screen and they they wanted to be able to run and jump or fight or or do something Good. as well as look a certain way. Um so it just it just almost opened up in front of me, really. And I thought, well, no one else is doing that. Um I I know how to do that. Um and it's it really just snowballed really quite quickly.
0: And that level of physical resilience is so essential to that industry and yet has been like massively underserved. As you said, there was a real gap in the market.
1: Yeah. Um it was and really the kind of the physical preparation, and I use that term um, quite loosely in that sector, was almost doing the opposite uh, because the focus was so much on the aesthetic, it was so much on the kind of the, the transformation type um, that actually performers and entertainers were preparing for a role, but they were weaker and had less energy and were less resilient to injury, less resilient to illness, and and actually couldn't do the job as well. You know, and, you know, having spent time in that industry yourself that it's tough you know it's physically tough um and being fit and strong and healthy and is is actually really very important um so taking quite a different angle to what people were were used to it just seems so obvious. It just seemed, well, here's a...
0: There's so much transition, isn't there, and, and synergy between that and actually what the average person does. You know, when we look at the entertainment industry, sure, they're on a pedestal of being at the top of their game, being heavily in demand, likely stressed, busy, you know, all those things. But there's a lot of take-homes that just the average person can also do with that. You know, if we think about the way that the fitness industry has transitioned slightly away from aesthetics, not entirely, we're still very much kind of locked into that as a goal. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that you know, we, we are noticing that, that purely chasing that goal doesn't necessarily have the best outcomes when it comes to resilience, physical resilience, uh, longevity, all these things. And, it, and it's really interesting and it would be interesting. And we're going to go back a little bit before we go forwards, but to dig okay. into, you know, the things that you, me, anyone sitting at home listening to this can kind of take away from people that are at the top of their game. They're actually really relevant to actually everyone it's training
1: yeah. um I mean, yeah you're right i mean the a, a body is a body at the end of the day we will have we will have one um and our physiologies are all all work to the same principles um just what we what we're using them for might be a little different but nobody's goal is more or less valid than anyone else's if your goal yeah. is to be able to get up and down the stairs without your back hurting that's just as valid as you know I'm, i need to be able to do this for a marvel movie or I or i'm doing a red carpet that's just as valid it means just as much to you as the next person just one is much more visible than, than yeah. the other. Um but yeah, the principles are the same. Um and the principles of doing that in a health-first way still very much apply. Um and that was that was how I wanted to do it. That's what I wanted to come to that sector with, is saying actually rather than you try and do your job feeling terrible and, and that you can you can you know you can't you don't have the energy to do anything. How about sure. you feel at your very best when you do it we're just going to have to do things a different way and it might take a little bit longer to get there um, and the road might look and feel a little different to the one the way that you've done it before but let's give it a shot and let's see how it is for you feeling great when you walk a red carpet rather than feeling like you can barely stand up Um, and that was you know that's that's my approach to it and that approach absolutely applies to everybody else I think there's the, the industry sort of had this big parting of ways a little a little while ago of, you know, there was like the aesthetics movement and then there was like the strength and conditioning movement. It's like, well, the two shall never meet. And you know, we can't we can't talk to them and they can't talk to us. We hate them. And actually that's all <laughs> yeah. a little bit there's, there's nothing wrong with either goal. There's nothing wrong with taking up exercise to achieve an aesthetic goal at all. The same as there's nothing wrong with taking up exercise to get better at running or netball or, or anything else. Similarly, there's nothing wrong with taking up exercise just because you enjoy it or to feel good to feel good emotionally there's all of these goals are equally as as valid and I think if we completely shun a group of people and say, well you're wrong because your goal is aesthetic driven we're just shutting them out we're just we're just moving them away from useful information and there's a lot of terrible information out there um and if we as an industry, if kind of the, the professionals with the experience and, and the know-how and the qualifications are refusing to engage with or making people feel not welcome because their goal isn't up to my standards. Well, if you're not a performance yeah. athlete, I'm not talking to you. If your goal is aesthetic or to lose weight or, or whatever it may be, then then, then no, that's not, that's not legitimate enough for me. Uh, then yeah. what we're doing is we're just pushing those people somewhere else because they're going to be there. They're there. Um... And if we push them away from credible sources of information, we're pushing them towards less credible sources of information of which there is a lot um, yeah, you yeah. Know, on social media and that's not quality controlled and and there is a huge amount of information that is we're just waiting to to kind of lap up people with these kind of goals and say, "Oh, we'll come and buy my tea or whatever it may, <laughs> whatever it may be. <laughs> Yeah, always um, tea. We as an industry need to be a little bit less, I guess, snobby about that, and rather than say, "Well, mm. your goal is valid because it's this," and 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 this party, the kind of you know the aesthetics party, say, "Well, we're not, you know, strength and conditioning nerds. We're not talking to you." And the strength and conditioning guys say, "Well, aesthetic, that's that's not valid. We're not talking to you." Well, actually, let's all talk to each other, because my my experience of this industry, of which I've been in a very long time now, <laughs> is the the aesthetics goals are always going to be there that will still and always be the number one reason why people take up exercise i think in my experience is it's never the most common reason why people stay in it um, and i think that's where that's the that's the rub that's the magic and i think that's where we should be doing our job is welcome and accept these people who are who are coming to us say oh i want to tone up that's fine let's not say toning to a sack it isn't we know what they mean if somebody you know the somebody comes to us and says, oh, I want to tote. We can be a kind of an exercise science snob and say, that's not a thing. It's, we know what they mean. It's just, so let's meet people where they're at. And so I understand what you mean by that. So here's what we're going to do. And and then then go about putting a program together that prioritizes health, that prioritizes strength, longevity, resilience to disease, but we'll also give them the output that they've come to you for. And then what we find is, that long-term people then get excited about the fact that they can do their first pull-up or they can, you know, run a 5k, they can do whatever it may be that, and then that's what keeps people coming back is they start getting better at stuff and they, and then their priorities shift a little bit. But if we just push people away and say, I'm not speaking to you because you want to tone up, we're just going to push them somewhere else, alienate them from credible training resources. So I think we need to kind of welcome everybody and understand that that's, that's the most common motivator to get people through the door and then start to show people something a little, a little different as, mm. as as they go and then that's- start to say well actually how does it feel now that you can do this that you couldn't do before or how does it feel now that your knees don't hurt anymore or that you can now yeah. do a pull up or whatever it may be and then you can probably relate to that with your own fitness journey in the for sure. In for your sure. Instagram, you're now knocking out your sets of pull-ups and saying <laughs> I can do these now and I, I can before. Yeah,
0: yeah and it's and it's a completely perfect answer and I do think it's very very relatable to the journey that most people go on those that are going to stick to exercise movement long term and if we look at longevity as being you know something that we all want I right. think you're right that, that it's often that shift but I completely agree with you that you know for a long time the industry has been in incredibly binary and it's ter- in the sense that like you're either in in one group or the other and it's quite cliquey and I completely agree with you and I think you've perfectly sort of summarized the journey that that one should really go on or, or, c- or could go on and I think that's really interesting but one thing I want to do is I've known you a long time long yes. time um, and um, you are now obviously the go-to celebrity trainer in the UK and you've you've worked incredibly hard to carve that path for yourself and I think it's so interesting. That I have to say, from my perspective, it's amazing to see someone who I know is so grounded in quality, credibility, really leading that charge. Because I think it's you know it's, it's exactly what people need that are in that space. Um, but I want to know how you got to where you are now, because yeah. I know that there will be a lot of trainers that will listen to this that think, "Oh my God, I'd love to train a celebrity, but don't. don't quite know the journey from uh, you know start to where you are now." And I know that it's been a long one for you, and, and, and one that you've worked incredibly hard at. So. Obviously you and I met at Third Space, yes. um an amazing, you know, place to, to kind of really um set yourself up at. Um Good. but from professional rugby player to here, <laughs> tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are now.
1: The career journey has almost gone full circle, really. So I started out in well, actually I started out in a leisure center very, very very long time ago. <laughs> Nineteen ninety seven was my first
0: Good place to start. Before.
1: Yeah. I was setting up badminton courts. But then I, I I worked my first kind of proper fitness job was in commercial fitness was in a you know a high street gym group in in london uh of which there were four branches and i was doing gym floor stuff i was there for several years um before i actually met another former colleague of, of ours <laughs> actually who worked in the same place um and i moved from there into i as a young person coming into the industry i had a a similar dream to lots of young trainers and thought, well, professional athletes is where it's at. That's where, that's that's the cool stuff. That's what I want to be doing. Yeah. Um, so I left commercial fitness and went into essentially freelance strength and conditioning. So I had lots mm-hmm. of clients within football and rugby um, to begin with, because I'm just new people in those sports from my own background. So it was an easy start. There were people who I could reach out to and say, let, let me help you. Um, and I did that for several years. Um, and that was in the pre, it wasn't pre-internet, not that old, but it was pre-social media, pre-social media in its in its current form, certainly. Um, so that was a tough space to operate in. Um, it was very much all very specific recommendation. Um, and you had to, I was doing what I'd wanted to do, but I was spending most of my time and money on public transport going from one side of London to another. Um, and I wasn't particularly enjoying it very much. Um, even, th- even though that's what I thought I wanted to do when I actually started to do it, this is actually, I'm exhausted. Um, I'm not really earning much money, Yeah, yeah. Um, but I wasn't, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning how to get people quicker and stronger and more resilient to injury and, and start to recover from injury. Um, and during that time I started to, um, started to work with another former colleague of, of, Yours and mine, um, the physiotherapist who was based at Third Space, um, and we were we had a lot of shared clients, and we then discussed lots of things in life. One of them being, you know, where do you, where do you want to go? Um, and it was suggested that I just buddy up with him and, and come in at Third Space. So I so I did. So I I went there initially to start to work with. Um, somebody who was the former head physio there. Um, yeah. Now got months to do something else. Yeah. Um, and that's, that worked very nicely for for a little bit. Um, Third Space in those days was one location. Um, and it um, then changed hands and, and grew to, I think they were eight or something now, I, I believe.
0: Oh, it's like growing yeah. at a crazy yeah, rate. But but as yeah, but it's
1: part of that process. Yeah. Um, there's part of that rollout process. the it, There was an opportunity created or a space created to to do an education-based role. Because obviously when you go from one gym to several gyms, quality control becomes a thing, becomes a consideration. Um, And therefore there became a need for somebody with technical skills to to start to put some processes in place and start to think, well, and and start to apply, um, you know, a common assessment protocol and program design templates, this kind of stuff, the sort of the, the, when you have lots and lots of freelance trainers, you're going to have, you know, 57 varieties of, of doing things. And as a, as a corporate group, you want really one way of doing things. And so that created an opportunity for me to step from doing solely personal training and and grow into, to doing a kind of an educational, technical consulting type role. Um, which is around about the time when you and I met, yeah, um, w- which was great that enabled me to grow it enabled me to to start to practice teaching as well as just doing um which has enabled me to have a kind of side hustle which I still have now as yeah, an education yeah. business and that was that served me very well for, for several years um as as the business grew, so my role grew, but around about the same sort of time i I was getting quite excited about trying to apply what I'd learned in this professional sports world in a slightly different world, which was the entertainment industry. And that was okay. just kind of starting to open up to me at the same time. And that just, that just took off really. And really, because no one else was doing it, um, that industry was very much served by the kind of Hollywood trainer transformation type. Yeah. Um, and he, I was offering something a little different. Um, I was working with these same similar people, but saying, Well, actually, let's look at everything that you're doing. Let's look at it holistically. Let's look at your strength. Let's look at your output. Let's look at how you're sleeping. Let's look at your recovery as well as how you look. Let's not shun that. Let's look at all of it. Um, and that was just a little different to everything else. So, I guess in terms of how did I cultivate that niche, it was by doing something and offering something that at that time no one else was. Yeah. Okay. You know, that that population was being served, but it was being served in a very different way. Um, so I was able to to treat people who were performing initially on stage, actually, and in initially West End performers.
0: Yeah, like you um, worked with and Aisha the, and all yeah, sorts
1: of people. Yeah. Like, oh, yes, of course you know Aisha. Real
0: heroes of mine. <laughs>
1: um, and Kiala as well.
0: Oh, yeah, Kiala, of course, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so there was a very, and there was a natural progression from working with performers on stage to performers on film because it's the same circle of people. And that's word of mouth and word of mouth travels very fast, especially when you're offering something that's a little different. So actually you don't need to feel exhausted and beaten up and broken. You can feel good and healthy and strong and happy.
0: And also when you're doing something well, you know, like I think the two things that I look at you and really feel that you kind of nail is one, you have years of experience. And I don't mean to make you sound like you've been doing this forever. (laughs) But you have years and years of experience and and you're constantly and you know, when I look to the education experiences that I've had with you, that's an ever evolving process for you. And and actually I want to touch on that, you know, in terms of how you're constantly progressing, learning, doing more, understanding more. And I think that's that's really crucial as a trainer. But but the other side is is that you, you know, as with any business your results speaks from, the, speak from themselves word of mouth like you said is important but that's got to be good recommendations they're coming yeah. out of their mouths and, yeah. and and you're clearly doing something that really resonates and, and sits well with people i think that's that's obviously the most important thing um i wonder if you would be able to give me and i know that it's so difficult in terms of confidentiality but yeah. are there any examples of clients that you've worked with that uh might be household names that you could kind of talk about in terms of where they came to you at and what you what you felt was really something that you did differently for them in that moment that made the difference. Does that make sense?
1: Sure. Yeah, it does. Um yeah, when we're being respectful of people's confidentiality, there are, I mean there are there are there are many. Um mm. there's, you know, I can think of I mean there's a, a very high profile actress who um, I was working with on preparation for a specific movie role. Um and there was a it wouldn't be very hard to find out who it is because there's written me a testimonial in it <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're available but her experience of preparing for roles was uh, effectively just you know you' have to exercise really really hard every day till you're exhausted and that's training so training equals you know more more is better that was the mentality and that yeah. was, that was that was the approach that had been given was right well you've got you you know, there's the kind of the boot camp phase and it's just going to be tough and you've got to get through it. And then you're going to hang on for dear life whilst you do the shoot. And then afterwards, then you can then you think about recovery and, and then do it all again for the next job. And we just did things a different way. Um, and so, well, let's not do that. Let's look at everything. Let's look at the whole picture. And there was a bit of a, to be completely honest, there was a bit of a, a leap of faith taken on the client side of, well, this is not what I'm used to. Uh-huh. So how do I know it's going to work? Because this is my job, this is my career. So there, there's a bit of a kind of, there has to be a bit of trust there to start with. And that was, that's the hard part is if you're going to ask someone to do something different to what they, they're used to, there's a leap of faith taken on their side. Uh-huh. Um, fortunately we were able to navigate that. Yeah. She was then able to do the job whilst feeling at her best rather than feeling at her, at her worst. Okay. Um, and it happened to be someone who was very well connected in those circles who then spoke to all of her friends and, <laughs> yeah, and that was, that was great for me. And I, you know, we still talk about it now that like I should have put you on commission back in, <laughs> back in those days. And that, that's also happened in the, in, in the fashion world as well. There were, there were a couple of very high profile people in the fashion world who are in front of the camera there on a regular basis and spent their whole okay. lives being in front of the camera. And again, being able to say, so well, we can look to, we're not going to create a look because really if you're if you're in the fashion industry, you're kind of you're born with that or you're not. That's not yeah. something I think it's be very disingenuous for anyone in a health and fitness industry to say, well, I made that, who absolutely did not. They yeah. they were like that anyway. You're just helping them. Yeah. Um but so we can we can maintain that, but we can maintain that and also look to try perhaps bring you out of pain as well. Yeah. And and if you're gonna have to spend a week walking up and down Several hours a day, every day, and then be standing yeah. still for five or six hours in horrendously uncomfortable outfits. <laughs> can we do that in such a way that your back and your hips and your knees don't hurt? Let's look at that. And let's, you know, we're, we are also getting you fit, quote unquote, but can we do it in such a way where you're going to feel better? And that's ultimately, that's worth a fortune to these people because I yeah. want to do my job better. Yeah. Uh, so now I can potentially work a little bit longer or mm. i can enjoy my work a little bit more because things don't hurt. And yeah. it, the particularly the fashion industry had really become it was just sort of accepted and and I think probably your former industry, you probably relate to this a little bit, where yeah, it's just sure. accepted that, well it's stuff's gonna hurt. It's hard. So mm. suck it up. Mm. And and that was the very much the mentality of mm. if your back hurts, deal with it. You need to hurt, deal with it rather than, okay, can we do something about that? Is there something we could, can we help in in some way? And yeah. um, so when you're offering that, it's kind of easy. It's kind of easy to, it, it's, you, you know, you're not, you, you're not trying to sell something to somebody, you're yeah. offering a solution to a problem that exists. You're not trying to, trying to create some phantom problem. You say, well, this is a, this is a real, there's a real issue. And yeah. there's a really simple solution to this. Like if we get you a, a bit stronger and a bit more resilient, and give you a bit more awareness and control over your body, these things won't happen.
0: And I think the real world take home from that is that that should be the principle for kind of everyone. Like, we all want to feel better. Sure, we want to look better. But my kind of ethos with that is like, if we put feeling better at the top as our number one, as our top of our pyramid, everything else kind of falls into place. If you prioritize feeling good, genuinely, I truly believe that the rest will actually assimilate itself. Yeah. Um, and I actually find that often and nothing times out of 10 those that prioritize a look which you and I've spoken about this already today you know it's fine to do that but if that's number one I often find that a lot of other stuff the feeling better the feeling energized the injury rate the you know yada 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 all of that actually isn't necessarily aligned and can actually get worse with mm-hmm. that being the number one goal and I think it's such an interesting you know mental switch and it's and it's hard to have that buy-in because you and I both know that most people will come to us and say, so my goal is to fit into this dress or look this good, or I've got a picture of myself when I was 21 and I want to look that good again, you know? And yeah. so it's about having, having the uh, ability to take someone where they're at and say, I hear you, I see you, but also let's look at all these other things, which I know are going to get that been in a way that focuses you way less on on just how you look
1: yeah absolutely and and it, to be honest as well i think that's the sort of the softer skill side of this job yeah uh, when you have to, to be good at this job you have to know your functional anatomy you have to know what does what you have to know your program design your assessment techniques all of that stuff but ultimately you can be technically the best trainer in the world but if people don't show up and do what you ask them to do doesn't matter yeah. um, so getting people to buy into what you do that's priority number one so being able to get people to relate and show up, if they don't show up, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> they have this yeah. fantastic program. If someone doesn't follow it, it's not worth anything.
0: Completely.
1: That first part of Boo. let's do it this way and actually allowing people to feel seen and heard, that's the important part. Yeah. Um, so having the technical skills and the technical experience and all this stuff, wonderful. But what I think the real knack there is being able to say to somebody, if their goal is if they come... To, to you and say, I want to fit in that dress. Great. This is how we're going to do it. Mm. That's that's the conversation. Mm. And, and then we start. What I'm doing is I'm creating a way that they're going to do that whilst doing all of these other things. Mm. But what I'm not going to do is take their goal, invalidate it, and say, how about we teach you to do pull-ups? How's that?
0: Yeah, yeah. They're not going
1: to come back. That's not what they came yeah. to me for. They'll just yeah. keep searching... The internet or Instagram and find somebody that will say I can get you to fit into that dress and that might be who knows mm. what ask no, them to do.
0: completely uh, so
1: so really I think what we what we what we do is we say sure we can do that here's how and and then in the background I'm kind of blotting away thinking we are gonna do that but we're gonna it's a i sometimes describe when I train trainers I sometimes describe it as so saying it's like you're hiding the peas in the mashed potato yeah. Know, like, that's what that's what you want. So that's fine. So we're going to do what you want, mm. but we're going to sneak in some stuff of what you need as well. Yeah, and we're going to hide it in there, and then before you know it, you're also, you, you know, you're also going to get good at deadlifts, and you're also going to be able to do a pull up.
0: We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. One thing, you mentioned training trainers, and I think that it's, you know, your education assets are are unbelievable. And I've, you know, I've attended one of your course, many, you know, a couple of your courses, and I think, you know, learned so much from you. But one of the things that I always find really interesting is that, see, the fitness landscape and, and how we approach training has changed so much over the last however many years. And I'd really love to know what you see and I don't want to call them mistakes because obviously I hate that word. It's always a learning <laughs> curve, right? But the things that you've done that you look back and think, oh my God, I can't believe I ever did that. Like, were there ever anything, was there ever anything, sorry, in the fitness space that you really threw yourself at and then actually looked back and thought, oh my God, I can't believe I ever did that.
1: Um, I, yes. And I would say it's actually just very related to the point we are just discussing. Um, and then my approach on that has changed a lot. And it's probably changed a lot through focusing almost exclusively now in the Entertainment business, mm. um, I very much used to try to reframe and rephrase uh, people's goals, and and say, well, actually, let's let's do this, let's do this, and let's do this. When that's not why they were there, and so that's absolutely something that now I do in a very different way. And I and I will pointedly not do that because I um, I have come to understand that's not what people want to hear. You know, when somebody comes saying, "I would like to achieve this," what they want to hear is, "Great, I'm going to help you do that." That's the that's what they want to hear. Yeah. Um, so, I've I see in, in terms of my evolution, it's more on that side. It's more on that kind of softer skill side. Yeah. Of understanding that we got to meet people where they're at with this stuff, uh-huh. um, and let's let's not kind of turn our noses up at why people come. If somebody comes saying, oh, you know, I'd like to tone my arms, cool, we're going to tone your arms yeah. but, and then we're going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say anymore. Um, we shouldn't be so focused with toning your arms. We should be thinking about your overall health and we should be thinking about your well-being and we should be thinking, about- yeah, of course we should, but that's not why they're here. Yeah. Um, so I guess the evolution on my side has been on that, has been on the the softer skill side. Yeah. Exactly. And actually
0: such a crucial component of being a trainer, like you said earlier, yeah. that we often forget. But actually going to the other side, um, you obviously, you've spoken a lot about sort of the education side of things. Um, I think one of the things that I really experience in the, in the fitness industry from a bit of a distance is that, you know, a lot of people are like, what course should I be doing? What should I be learning? Like, what education, what book do I need to be reading to make me a better coach? And it'd be really interesting to, to get your advice to trainers that are listening to this, people that are in the fitness industry. You know, we often want the one thing that we need to be doing or the one course that's the best yeah. one to do. How do you advise people approach their education journey? And what are the things that you think are the fundamentals? And what are the things that you think people should sort of kind of evolve with and see how they feel with?
1: The answer is probably not the one people want to hear, that there isn't one. <laughs> there, isn't, there isn't one course or one book or or one seminar that you should attend. Although my seminar of course is <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's not that's not the answer to all questions at all. That's here are my experiences of dealing with this. Um, right. and then people can take from it what they what they will. Um and that's been my approach really. I spent many years um just doing it, pretty much every course that I could get my hands on. I sort of used to set myself a goal of doing one a month. So, excuse me, I would take a weekend course once a month in anything that interested me. And and I would think if I can take one thing from this, it's been money well spent. And generally that's what I tried to do is pick little bits. And there's some that I'd take a lot more, and then there were some where I thought actually I didn't enjoy that and right. I didn't get anything from, but in general, that was a pretty good average. Um And that was, I did that for years, really. And I would say that it worked. That worked for me. So therefore, I would say that's a great thing to do because that's what I did. How, but I would caveat that and say that actually, in the post-COVID world, there are far fewer of those things happening. The the industry, when you and I met, you could do that because weekend seminars were a thing, pretty regularly. There was always something going on and. Expos going on and courses and talks and, and lots of mutual friends of ours ran little workshops at summits yeah. and summits. Those things don't have not really existed in the post-COVID world.
0: I wonder why that is.
1: Well, they just they disappeared and went online for a period of time, and no. it, and then they just didn't really come back. And I think that's a shame because I think the landscape for young trainers now is a little different to how it was then because those things aren't available. Um, so I would say actually. That the best thing for a young trainer to do would actually to be what to, to be to do what you've done um, and identify people and say I'd like to body up with this person I like what you do I'm going to come and like can I yeah watch you help can we bounce ideas off each other and do that and that's you know do exactly what you've done over however many years yeah, yeah. and you know yeah. where you've identified different people at different stages and say. I kind of like what you do. Mm. Can I can I watch that I think is a great thing to do. It's not formal training. You're not picking up certificates and CPD hours from that. No. But uh, I would fairly confidently say you got to learn a lot more from that than you mm. are from a book.
0: I think that's a really good point and I think that I I remember being that person that was like really hungry to learn like um, you at the start of your career and, like I just need to know everything and and you never feel like you know enough and i think it's being comfortable with the fact that you're you're never going to know enough there's always <laughs> more you can learn but actually the thing that i've really found is that when you spread the net so broadly and be like i just want to learn everything actually that's really really hard place to be because and maybe you know like you said in the first instance it's fine to do that but i think at every stage sort of find that thing find that net coming narrower and narrower so that you focus in on what really fulfills you. And, and and if we look at your career, you've sort of done that over you know, however long you've been working in the fitness industry, it's got narrower and narrow and narrow and narrow, narrow. And now you're at the point where you're like, I am really fulfilled and training people that I really want to train and I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and I think as much as it's hard to do that, and it's a privileged thing to be able to you know, just kind of pick and choose, I, I understand that. But I do think that a lot of people try and just learn everything and anything. And then being able to apply that in real like life terms is actually quite challenging and you end up coming very confused but I remember when I started trying to write programming and I'd done this course here and learned about this and I'd done this course here and learned about that and then I was suddenly getting really confused with actually trying to make it applicable to the person in front of me I was just like it was just all too much so I think I really found that at every stage sort of being like oh I found that bit interesting but that bit interesting and then trying to sort of like narrow it down and then really find now I could tell you exactly the person that I like to work with what I like to do with them, how I like to train them, the approach that I have, I've, I've become really, really laser focused and clear on that. And I guess that is because you kind of, you, yeah, you go through that process. Get that. Yeah, 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 and for I, sure. I think
1: that's, that's the, that's the important part is it takes, is to understand, it takes time. Mm. Um, and it is overwhelming just to, to start with. Yeah. And that's, and that's okay. Um, mm. And I, and I think we, we, we just have to not be in such a rush and, um, you yeah, know, when you start out in this industry, there's a sort it's like an inverse bell curve. It's like, well, you get your certificate and you think, Well, I know everything. And then you get out onto the gym floor and you start working with people and you go, I don't know anything. Yeah. And then and then gradually it starts to go the other way. And then you start to try some stuff. Some stuff doesn't work. Some stuff does work. And then gradually you figure it out. But okay. it takes time. Uh-huh. Um, So that kind of first couple of years of being in the wilderness is tough and a lot of people don't survive it, but it's important. And I think that's, you just kind of have to get through that um, because that's how you learn. You know, you have to, you have to try stuff and be willing to try it and and do those difficult things that you just described where, you know, you, you do a course and then you do another course and you think that totally conflicts with that, but then you have to try it. Yeah. You know, who, who am I working with? I'm working with these guys in this gym, so I'm going to have a go. And then think, actually, that course was all about basketball players, and I've realized that doesn't really work with what I'm dealing with. And and then gradually yeah. start to understand, or oh, that one was super, super technical, and I've got 45 minutes with my clients, or I'm in a group setting, and I've got 20 people, and so I'm not going to... So that super technical course that I did that was on the intricacies of of, of biomechanics... I'm not going to apply it because I've got, I don't have the, I don't, that's not how I'm working. Take the cause and then, then think, how do I, how do I use this on the day to day? And then maybe you realize that one was less useful. Definitely. Good to know, but less useful. And then you start to figure it out. And I think we have to be willing to, to try and be willing to make mistakes sometimes. And, and I think, that might sound really awful to think there are going to be some clients that you make mistakes with, but I think if if we're open and honest and transparent about that, that's also okay. Um, you know, when when a, a person engages a trainer, they know they well they're going to take a fairly decent guess at how old somebody is, so they, they will take a fairly decent guess at how that long they might they have been doing their job, and they'll know how much they're paying, and there'll be there's. They'll be doing the calculation themselves to think, well, I can pay this amount. I'm going to get someone who's been doing it 20 years, or I can pay this amount. So I'm going to get somebody who's been doing it for two. And, and you would therefore expect that the product might be a little bit different and that's, uh-huh. that's okay. And I think if you're with, if you were investing in the relationship with the client, you are able to say, look, I did this course at the weekend and I learned this, would you be willing to try it? And then have the conversation with them in a couple of weeks and say, how was that for you? If it's actually, that was awful then be also willing and gracious enough to say, okay, we'll go back to what we did before. Yeah. And 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 then that's how you start to piece it together and, and figure it out. Um yeah. you, I don't think you ever get to be a good trainer by going on courses. Um, which is probably, you know, doing myself enormous disservice as somebody who runs yeah. courses for trainers. But <laughs> that's you know, you don't you don't go as you as you know as as you know, having done lots yeah. of courses, you don't go and sit in a Sit in the classroom for a weekend, and come away a different trainer. You come away mm. with some ideas, and then what mm. make what how you then get a better trainer is by trying to mm. it, trying to integrate some of that stuff into your client's program. Yeah, and then and then having that conversation with them and say, "How was that for you? Did you mm. feel better when we did it that way?" Yeah, great. Let's do it some more. Would you be willing to mm. try this next week mm. and see yeah. how you how you apply it to your clients? That's the key, not how how you learned it from a whiteboard or from a, you know, from a a PowerPoint at the weekend. Cause that's not yeah. That's not, it's not real life.
0: Super interesting. And you and you're so right. I think there's so much in that. Now I want to bring it back to uh, your clientele for for the final question. Sure. I would love to hear from you, you know, from from the building blocks of of what makes a, a successful training program with who you're working with right now. Like you know, if we look at like the biggest block at the bottom, medium, whatever, you get my analogy, um, yeah. what would you say are your most important fundamentals? What are the things that you really spend time focusing on, working on, you know, from the ground up? What's your most important to your least important that you really think are kind of applicable to the people you're working with right now?
1: First one is getting to show up. Um, so that buy-in, so that initial conversation, because without that, we've got nothing. Okay. Um, then it's really built around so typically if it's a kind of movie prep type thing, or it's a, you know, a cover shoot prep type thing, um, there'll be a finite time scale. So there will be a period of weeks, sometimes months, not always, but there's a, there's a period of time. Um, and so we're trying to do something specific within a specific period of time. So we're going to, so I try and do that in the most efficient way possible, uh, and also in the least taxing way possible. Um, so I'll typically look at full body workout programs, um, given that that's going to be the most time efficient way of working and how I build those programs together. I try to be quite clever with exercise selection and exercise ordering. So I'll typically build programs around supersets and trisets. So for those who don't know what that means, that just means performing a set of an exercise then immediately performing a set of another exercise without rest in between. It's almost like a mini circuit. And I'll do that with putting upper body, lower body, and core exercises all together okay. in, you know, in a triple set, in a tri-set, like a mini circuit. Okay. So what I'm doing by that is being time efficient, because I don't have an enormous amount of time, but I'm also kind of cheating the system a little bit in that I'm using a resistance program, which is going to be key to everything, because as we know, strength underpins everything else that we do, particularly if we're looking at body composition, that's the most important part of, of that equation. Um, but I'm, what I'm going to do is by moving straight from a lower body exercise to an upper body exercise, I'm going to stimulate the cardiovascular system at the same time. So when you, so for example, I might do a set of, let's just keep it simple, a set of squats and then a, a set of press-ups. So my, if I was to do that, my cardiovascular system has to work super hard to send all of my blood to my legs when I do my 10 squats. If I then immediately do that 10 press-ups, it's got to send all that blood back the other way. Back to my upper body, and then back again when I go back to my squats. So what I'm doing therefore is I'm performing my strength work, but I'm getting like free cardio at the same time because okay. my venous system is having to, to deal with that. It's having to send blood one way, then it's going to send blood the other way. So okay. I'm increasing the metabolic demand of my strength workout. So therefore, I'm, in, I'm getting cardiovascular conditioning. I'm also increasing the caloric output Of the exercise. So I'm kind of doing lots of things all at the same time. And that's typically how I approach it. So I'll I'll build the program around full body resistance training, so strength training. So, you know, with barbells and dumbbells and TRXs and all that stuff that people don't necessarily equate with getting somebody ready for a cover shoot or a red carpet. That's what they're doing. They're doing deadlifts and they're swinging kettlebells and they're doing all of that stuff. But I'm just being smart about how I... How I group those exercises together, so yeah. I'm going to create a cardiovascular demand from the strength workout, quite a high cardiovascular demand. Now and then I'm going to supplement that with low intensity aerobic work, so effectively walking. So typically, a, the a kind of the cover model or the A-list type workout would typically be three or four full body strength workouts a week done in that way, supplemented by lots of walking, and it's kind of that simple. It's. Not, I have
0: to say, Luke. That is the magic formula. I shouldn't yeah. probably say that because there are lots of ways to go about doing things. But I, yeah, I'm a big fan of you saying that.
1: Yeah. And it's, and there's no, there's no, there's not really, I'm being smart with it because I'm, let's say, I'm kind of, I'm cheating the system a little bit by, by, by getting this, just sort of hiding the cardio in the, in the strength training. Uh, Other than that, they're walking, you correct. know, they, it's, and the great thing about using walking as your, low-intensity cardio is pretty hard to overdo it. Um, so we're just increasing this background activity all of the time. Yeah. Um, you don't need to recover from it. So, you know, you go and do a hardcore hit workout. You do it to the point where it is actually hit. if you're working that hard. It's very hard to do anything the next day, let alone, let oh, alone yeah. something, something productive or demanding in the gym. Yeah. You go for a walk, you'll feel great. Um, you, there's no recovery time from, mm. from walking. We can just do it. And we can add more to it if we need to. And okay. it's great. There's nothing. Okay. There's, the, the, the mental benefit's fantastic. The, 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 every one of your systems works better when you walk more. I mean, there was okay. a whole bunch of studies came out uh, just before Christmas that were equating, that were just linear correlation between step count and reduced mortality. From all, from. Or not, that was all cause mortality. It wasn't just cardiovascular disease. It was... Various forms of cancer and, and even through to deaths from poor mental health, deaths from suicide, we're also decreasing with step yeah, count. And it's there's so powerful. A, there, it's hugely, hugely powerful. One of the most, I think, underrated forms of exercise. So that's really what they're doing. There's no, there's no magic pill, or there's no as as the again that's getting a lot of press at the moment, magic, magic diabetes pill. That's kind of that. We're, Let's
0: not go there, shall we? Yeah. <laughs>
1: that is in existence, it's doing the strength work, which are to being smart about it, and we're walking.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly, like, I cannot tell you how happy it makes me to hear you saying that, and it's so nice to, given the headlines recently, hear someone who is directly working in that space being so sensible about the advice that they give their clients, even when, you know, I understand that there's pressure of being on the magazine cover, I've been there, uh, and there's pressure of, you know, being in films and TV and whatever, yeah. But it, it shouldn't be the expense of your health, like at any Nothing point. To work that. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing yeah.
1: Mm. Um see so you know, as if, of course you've but you've done it how many times you've done it two, three times. Four times. Four times. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but but and 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 the time that I've I think in all of those the time that I've known you, but you've but you've done it in very different ways.
0: Yeah, as, yeah.
1: Uh, as your own
0: Oh you,
1: yeah. As a, the, how you how you prepare for it very different mm. ways.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, um, definitely. Now tell me about your next building block. We're working up, so we've got the strength chaining. What comes after that? R- um, please then, say recovery features in there.
1: Uh, so the the walking would be the next one. Yeah. Um, and and the the one after that to be is the is the hydration. Um, okay. So if we when we're looking to to get the most bang for your buck, we're doing the full body strength work. We're doing the walking. We're increasing the the water, and, and we're going to bed early. That's it that's literally it. Um, very, very rarely, if ever, and I'm just thinking through, I'm like, I can't think of an example of any of the, the, the I guess, the, the VIPs who I've worked with where we've looked into things like supplements or anything like that. We, just, we haven't ever needed to. Once we've got that far, we, we, it's been great. We've, we've, ne- we've always got the result that we needed by just doing that. By just looking after those, like the yeah. low hanging fruit, if you like, um, I think too often in our, our industry, particularly in that whole, you know, well, I want the cover model body or I want the red carpet body. That pyramid is is flipped over. Inverse, yeah. Thing, yeah, the first thing that people look at is, well, what's the what's the supplement? What's she taking? Like, what's she mm-hmm. drinking? What's she doing? And it's that's the one percent. And and actually, in my experience, we've never needed to do that. We get the other stuff right. Wonderful things happen because if we if before we've done that first building block of the strength stuff, we get the person to show up. If we get them to be consistent, then all those other things happen. They're not 100%. showing up, and it's and um, it's a sporadic exercise program. Then that's a, that's a different proposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If somebody's being consistent and they're turning up and they and they're doing the things that we have asked them to do, we don't need to get it more complicated than that
0: and look I think anyone listening right now whether they're a trainer someone that just likes exercising whether there's someone that wants to get into the industry that you're in that can be applied to all of us right like get the yeah, basics
1: yeah. get
0: the, nail the basics manage to do that and I think for me like take the pressure off you know like like you have just said these are people that we look up to and, and look like it or not they are people that ha- have aspirational shall we call it physiques uh-huh. lifestyles whatever. I want to hear from those people saying, I do strength training three times a week and I walk and I eat well and I drink lots of water and I sleep, you know, eight hours a night. And that's my magic formula. And I want, I I need to be hearing that more from people because I think it's so crucial in the world that we live in now, where we have headlines about quick fixes that you've mentioned, you know, it, it, it really, you know, hurts me to see that because I think it just destroys the good work that you're doing with the people that you're doing it with in terms of just being incredibly sensible about your approach and not sacrificing someone's health at the expense of being able to look good and feel mm. good.
1: Well, I think and almost becomes a self-sorting process. When you look at some of those headlines, be careful with my words, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you look at some of those headlines and then when you look at the people who are associated with those same headlines... And then yeah. and and then you, you it, can't, it it's no surprise to me when I when you think well have you always looked for a quick fix is this your approach to life um a, because if if you have that quick it works you know but uh, there's a cost yeah you know, if you if you want to start taking things that mess around with your hormones and change the way your organs work have at it but there's a cost. And that cost is going to be borne by you and you alone, because that's your body and you've got to live in that yeah. for the rest of your life.
0: Makes me very so nervous.
1: There's a, there is a cost to it. Um, is that cost worth looking that certain way on that particular day? I don't think so, but that's my opinion. Um, and then you look at some of the people who are doing it the quote unquote hard way, and it's actually not that hard. That's the thing. It's, it's not that hard to go to the gym three times a week, to make sure you walk more, drink more water, go to bed early. It's not that hard. Um, we just need to do it. And we need to do it consistently.
0: Yeah. And ultimately, I really hope, and and again, this comes back to the word buy-in, but those people are also enjoying the process. Dare yeah. we say it? You know, like that's the fundamental thing. Like you've got yeah. to, yes, there's motivation from your job, your life, whatever, but you've got to have a sense of enjoyment from it. And, and, and I think that this be the message that we close the, the episode with is that like, fundamentally get the basics in place, enjoy the process, know that it doesn't have to be punishing and, you know, you don't need to be feeling your worst to look your best and it's going to be okay, you know? Yeah. And but
1: if you do it right, you should be feeling your best too. And that's Exactly.
0: The thing. Exactly.
1: And, and, and when you're, and what's the, you know, the very cool thing about it, which, you know, maybe people don't necessarily want to hear is when you start feeling great about what you're doing, you actually start to care much less about all the other stuff. That's the, the the part that brought you there in the first place isn't the part that keeps you there. But then long-term, you it's you don't even care about that anyway.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Luke, this has honestly been brilliant. It's so interesting to hear from you. And look, I know you're doing so, so well, and you're incredibly busy. So I really appreciate you giving up your time. Thank you so, so much. Uh, one quick thing, if anyone does want to check out your education um stuff where can they find the details for that
1: all of it is on my website which is just luke there's a products sub menu on there which is about everything it's got education resources it's got articles it's got the whole works
0: perfect thank you so much luke i hope you have an amazing rest of your day thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me you so much for listening I really hope you enjoyed that episode I would love it if you could take some time to rate review, and follow the podcast as it really helps others to find it we have a new episode dropping each week so this will also ensure you don't miss out see you next time insanity group